0: Hi everyone, I'm Lori McDermott. I am with TheWifeExpert.com. Please subscribe to this channel. And if you hear something on the show and you wanna forward it, please, please, please. Everyone I bring on the show is because I want to share these people with you. They're, the people I bring on the show are brilliant and smart and have insight of things that I want you to know about. So as wifeexpert.com website, that supports people who are struggling in their marriage, I want people happy. I want marriages to stay together. And if I can bring you those tools to keep your marriage together, then you're in the right place. So subscribe. And right now, I've got this guy who actually some of my clients kept talking about. And they would tell me things that he said. And what's funny is he's from France and he's gay, but yet he has an incredible insight to what is happening in the midlife crisis world and he's also super smart and super funny so i invited him on the show so let's let's pop over to him right now so without further ado let me introduce you to jp he goes by jp because that's a lot easier than saying his last name and he is a clinical therapist jp say hi
1: hi uh, my name is jp de i'm a licensed professional clinical Uh, I'm a counselor. I'm licensed in the state of California. I'm licensed in Texas. I reside in Texas. I also work with clients from all over the world. Uh, I take insurance in both Texas and California right now. And I have a profile on Alma if you uh, have Unum or Anthem and other uh, insurance. The only one I think I don't take right now is Blue Shield Blue Cross because, for whatever reason. They're crazy. yeah, but I also do private pay, so if somebody has a lot of disposable income and they don't want to go through insurance, you know, I'll take that part. <laughs>
0: never say no.
1: I'll never um, say too many, no to money, know.
0: Yeah, okay. right? So oh, the reason you came to me is because I coach a lot of women, mm-hmm. and there's been a couple of girls that just adore you, and their comment is, He is gay and he's from France and he knows this midlife crisis stuff more than anyone I have found. And I, as a person myself, who's been to therapy after therapy with my own husband when we were struggling, therapists are like, finding a good therapist is like finding a good marriage partner. And everyone who has been referred to you has really enjoyed you because of this perspective you have on what's happening in their life, which I, as a woman, personally find very interesting. And that's why I'm asking you on today, because I wanted just to hear you talk about what your take is on what happens to people when they go through a midlife crisis. Can you share your thoughts on that?
1: So first, let's talk about uh, the underlying issue midlife crisis which is depression. Uh, mm. In in the U.S. of a, in America, as well as most westernized civilized countries such as France and Germany and England, there's a lot of pressure being placed on men and uh, being a provider, being uh, educated, bringing in money, society and so forth. And I'm sure other parts of the world might be the same but I don't know enough about the other part of the world to talk about them so I'm gonna stick to what I know. Mm. And so in the US men very early on are conditioned and socialized to be strong. And if you compare women to men if you look at little girls and little boys little boys are all about competing, competition. Who is the strongest? Who is the fastest? with the who climbs the fastest tree? Who is the toughest? Little girls they work on uh, communication and on getting f- friendly with one another. How to build relationship? How to make friends? How to stay How to work through negotiate negotiation. That's why little girls will invest a lot of time on, um, and it's it's a stereotype, but it's a stereotype that's actually true. They will spend a lot of time on negotiating their relationship. If a friend does not like them, they will try to understand why. They will go back and forth. Boys are more like, who is the fastest? Who is the toughest? Who jumps the highest? And there are some boys who do have good uh, interpersonal skills, and there are some girls who are climbing trees. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like. According to gender, and I know gender is a hot topic right now in our society, according to gender, women, the expectation of society, I expect women to be better at communicating. And men, they kind of get a pass because they're tough, strong, t- all this. That comes into play later on when you're an adult, if you're 22, 23, 24, 25 years old, and you're feeling a lot of depressive uh, symptoms. If you're emotionally uh, depressed, but and you're a man, chances are you're not going to address those issues. You're not going to go seek therapy. Um, it used to be that, uh, women, when they are not feeling good, when they're not being themselves, your baseline is when you're happy, you're functional. But when you start being depressed, maybe you don't get out of bed. Maybe you're tired all the time. Maybe you eat too much. Maybe you eat too little. Maybe you're irritable. There's different symptoms that can indicate somebody's going through depression. Women will generally go and talk to someone about it. They will reach out and say, I'm not feeling like myself. I need help. They'll go to the doctor. They'll go to their friend. They'll go to their family. Men have tendency to to use a cop-out. They will gamble, drink, indulge in drugs, have multiple sexual partners. Uh, They will eat food, a lot of food. They will watch the same television shows. They may uh, engage in activities that are kind of daredevil activities, jump out of a plane, uh, you know, go skiing, whatever, Motor, uh, buy themselves a motorcycle and, and go uh, bike racing or whatever. Now you take a man and a woman, they're married, they're in a relationship for 20 plus years, and they come to the age of uh, 40, 45, it could be 35, it could be as early as 35, and uh, what happens is that when they uh, get to that place, a lot of time they don't feel they have a way out where they can express how they feel. And so midlife crisis is a real thing. There's two things that can uh, really precipitate a midlife crisis. Uh, in, my, in my book, two, two main things, but they could be more, like uh, if a man uh, loses his dad or a family member with a very important person in his family, and uh, which makes him aware of his own mortality, and he realizes he's next in line. Like maybe his grandfather is dead, his mother and father are dead, and now they're the only one alive, and they know that eventually they will die. Make them aware of their own mortality. And so because of the pressure we place on men uh, in our society, you must amount to something. You must un- make something of yourself. You must earn money. You must show how strong you are. You must have a nice car. You must have a nice home. If you're gay, a nice husband. If you're straight, a nice wife. All that, uh, you know, pressure that's being placed on them. And our society is really geared toward uh, relationship. We talk about relationship all the time. And so if you get to a certain age and uh, you feel like your relationship is not supporting you to the things you want, or if you feel like you're a failure, to your relationship. And there are multiple things that could make you feel like you're a failure. Um, A lot of men struggle with erectile dysfunction. That's a huge problem Mm. if a man feels like he cannot satisfy his partner. That could be a huge problem, erectile dysfunction. Why do you think Viagra, to these days, one of the number one selling drugs, where there are so many websites that promotes uh, having an erection, being able to satisfy your partner, uh, having more pleasure, is because it is an issue and uh, we are more prescriptive and reactive than proactive in america people don't maintain their health they don't go on diets they don't they'd rather go on a diet than eat right all the time they'd rather uh, go see a doctor and get a pill rather than try to change their lifestyle to have a better life what affects your body affects your mind what affects your mind affects your body okay yeah i agree with that yeah so if you're married and you've been married for 20 years you have two kids You've got the car, you've got the house, you've got the mortgage, you've got the pressure, and maybe your dad dies, and you're a guy. You may not talk about it, you may not process the grief, you may not say, hey, you know what, I'm heartbroken, my father died. Uh, for men or for women, the first male relationship you have in your life is your father. The first female relationship have of your life is a mother, unless you come from a family which has two fathers, two mothers. Again, I'm talking about more the norms than the exception. Or if you're living with your grandparents, in this case, your grandfather would be your first male relationship. So. That person dies, you're next in line. You know that eventually you're going to die. makes you aware of your own mortality. And the question that people ask themselves during a midlife crisis is, who am I? What's the purpose of me being on this planet? What have I accomplished? How will I be remembered? And it's not always a conscious process. It's often an unconscious process. And so people try to reinvent themselves. And when they go on the process of reinventing themselves, They sometimes feel like they have to set everything they've built on fire to rebuild from scratch, which means they will want to leave their spouse, thinking that by leaving their spouse they can become someone else and they can reinvent themselves. And a lot of time, they also project a lot of their unhappiness on their spouse. If I'm unhappy now, if I'm not happy in my skin, if I don't like my life, it must be because I made the wrong choice with a partner. And rather than reflecting upon how do I fix myself and feel better, they project that onto their spouse will say, you know what, I love you as a person, but I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't think we can make it work. Uh, you know, all the way up. I to love
0: you, but I don't school. love you. I'm not in I, love
1: with you. I, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And I realize that I'm, I'm not making you happy. And it could come from the erectile dysfunction problems. It could come from the fact that maybe I'm having a fling in the office with somebody who's 20 years younger than me because I want to feel younger and more vibrant. Um, all those things come into play. Midlife crisis is not a linear process. It's not like, hey, you start at point A and you end up at point Z. It's more like you can go back and forth between different stages. And uh, it's really hard to be coherent and to be cogent and to be um, for people to understand you when you yourself don't understand yourself. Mm -hmm. There's a really good book on male depression called I Don't Want to Talk About It. by uh, I don't know that book. I don't want to talk about t- it? I don't, don't want to talk about it. It's uh, by uh, Neil, I think. The last name is Neil, N-E-A-L. I'll send you the information later. He's a, he's a social worker from New York, and he wrote this book a while back, and it's still, everything on that book is still very, very on point. Wow, so, okay, So cool. uh, I don't want to talk about it. It's about how men don't want to talk about their problems, and they uh, escape in behaviors that are uh, coping mechanisms that are maladaptive. A lot of time they either, uh, you know, overindulge with food, drugs, sex, alcohol, gambling, if it's, it's a way of escaping. You don't want to face whatever is in your life. I've noticed in a relationship, sometimes people will project their unhappiness on their partner. Saying, if I'm unhappy, it's because of you, because you didn't make me happy. So I have to say something really important, and I hope people hear. No one can make you happy but you. Mm-hmm. You don't get married with someone that, because they make you happy. You marry them because you're happy, they're happy, and you, you want to be happy together but it is not the job of your partner to make you happy.
0: So what happen- What do you think people should do in that moment when someone says, you don't make me happy? What do you think the response should be from the uh, partner who hears that? I would that?
1: say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't realize it was in my job description. <laughs> 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 like, I like uh, that. <laughs> I missed out, I missed out oh. the memo. Where was it written that I was supposed to make you happy?
0: <laughs> okay, that's a good one. I like that.
1: Uh, yeah. A- so... There's also something we call menopause for women. They go to menopause. Uh, you have peri- perimenopausal, premenopausal. Men have something called the andropause. In America, we don't talk about it as much. Spell it. Men, andropause, A-N-D-R-O. Oh, and, yeah. Andro, like men in, uh, in Greek.
0: Mm-hmm. You've
1: got gine means female, andro means male. Okay. I know we think menopause should be for men, but no, we're not speaking English, we're speaking Greek. So andropause. Right. And so men go through andropause. And, and, and because we don't have a period, we don't have a way of measuring you know, uh, the cycle of a man, but men have a, have a cycle as well. It's just different, and it's uh, not the same. Women know once a month, or if they're regular, or whatever, and they know they can get pregnant, and they know the day they cannot get pregnant anymore, that they're going menopausal. Well, men, the day your hair gets gray, the day your body starts getting fatter and fatter, the day you start having moods swings, maybe hot flashes, because it happens to guys, you're going through endopause. Um, There are many doctors out there who are uh, providing now uh, care, which called aging doctors or anti-aging doctors. And they help men maybe get on testosterone supplement. They measure your testosterone. Maybe they give you some uh, vitamins. Maybe they indicate what kind of diet you should be on. And that helps you take care of your body, but also your mind. Because your mind, your soul, your spirit, whatever you want to call it, is hosted in your body. So if the house is falling apart, you're not going to have a comfortable experience. And your mind affects the body. The body affects the mind, as I said. So you take a combination of this. Maybe you have erectile dysfunction. Maybe your father died. Maybe you are diabetic. Maybe, I'm giving you some case scenario because those are the problems that people face in America. Are, they, are they yeah. diabetic? Depression. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you don't like your boss. Maybe you don't like your coworkers. Maybe you feel like you're in a stuck place. Maybe your kids are growing up and being real brats. I don't know. It could happen. Mm-hmm. Especially if you don't spend too much time educating them, right? You mm-hmm. get what you put in. Maybe you have more debt than assets. Maybe you've overpaid for whatever you have in your life. Maybe your house is uh, top down, your car is old, whatever. And you measure yourself through materialism. You measure yourself through the achievements of your life. You're thinking, hey, you know what? I should be happier. I have a Mercedes-Benz. I should be happier. I live in a nice neighborhood. I should be happier. My wife is good looking. But I'm miserable. Why? Again, external motivators cannot make you happy. You make yourself happy uh, from the inside. That means that I know it sounds really kind of corny and kind of hallmark, you know, uh, touchy feeling, but you have to like being the person that you are to be happy. You have to be happy in your body. You have to be happy in your soul. You have so to what,
0: if I was a man who was going through this and I came to you, what would you advise me to do? How do I start liking myself?
1: Well, I would start by, if you come to me and you're like having an existential crisis, I would say, you, when was the last time you went to see a medical doctor? Have you done mm. blood work? Is there anything at a physical level that might be impacting your mood? Because you know what? Uh, psychology, and I love the fact that uh, you break your arm, you go to the hospital, first thing they do is an x-ray. Right? In psychology, right. in psychiatrists, you go to your psychiatrist, he will throw a bunch of medication at you until see what sticks, what doesn't, yeah. without doing a CAT scan and MRI or anything like that. So I would say, hey, you know what? Go see your medical doctor. Have a conversation with a medical doctor. Are you taking some vitamins? Are you exercising? Are you eating right? Are you sleeping? Are you not sleeping? What's going on? Uh, How do you like yourself? Well, I would say the same way you like other people. Is that, uh, are you somebody that you, uh, are you aligned with your values? If your values say one thing and you do the opposite, you're going to be miserable. Hmm. My definition of happiness is when your expectations are made by your reality. My Describe that. Of go further. Tell me about I'm going that. To go, I'm going to go further into it. My <laughs> definition of happiness is when your expectations are made by your reality. My definition of unhappiness is when your expectations are not made by your reality. So you either change w- your expectations, you lower them, you raise them, whatever, to, uh, to, to get the reality you want, or you change your reality to meet your expectations. So if you don't like the body you have and if you don't feel comfortable in your skin, you go exercise. If you're not happy in your job, get a new job. If you're in a job that's pretty good but you don't like the job for whatever reason and everybody's telling you you should be happy but you're not happy, figure out what makes you happy. Also become grateful for the things that you do have. Happiness is about being grateful, showing gratitude, saying thank you, having joy in your heart. Yesterday I went to Target, for example. I went to Target, I had a few things, I wanted to buy a tree topper for the Christmas tree even though I'm not Christian. But we have a Christmas tree because we got to have a Christmas tree because my kid believes in Santa and all that crap. So yes. we had a Christmas oh, crap. tree. Crap! <laughs> <laughs> well, he does. Sorry. He does. I'm sorry. I don't mean to offend anybody who might be religious.
0: No, no, no I'm people. just kidding. You, have, you uh, have every right to have your right, own opinion. I am, about a,
1: I am a highly spiritual person, but I don't belong to any faith right now i'm just Wonderful. i belong to the church of i so anyhow i uh i went to target and i'm buying some uh, christmas ornaments and I, and I said i'm i'm gonna get a cup of coffee because i need to treat myself and they have a starbucks so i get in line and there's a woman ahead of me and we start talking and she's telling me that life has been really hard and uh, that uh, it's going to be a really hard holiday and that she's got many kids and i'm talking to her making a casual conversation we get to the counter she orders a drink and i look at the lady and i said put that on my tab don't let her pay for it
0: so, Aww. But, Aww. and I'm not telling you this so that I
1: can feel good about myself, I'm telling you. And so I bought, the, uh, I bought myself a coffee, I paid for it, and she was shocked. And I'm like, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, if you celebrate Christmas. And she goes, why did you buy my coffee? And I said, because, you know what, giving to you makes me so happy. It, yeah. it feels me, it's a $5 drink, right? Uh, Starbucks is overpriced. It's a $5, $5 <laughs> drink. <laughs> it is, a cup of coffee, $5, you need a mortgage. Uh, so anyhow, I, I paid for the coffee, and I felt so good. So good. Much better than she did. She liked the drink, I'm sure. She left with it. She said, thank you, and I wished her well. But the small gesture for her was a big gesture for me. It filled me up with joy for the rest of the day. So being grateful is giving back, but also being cognizant when you give back to others, and being happy to do something for someone else. Mm -hmm. If you do it with the expectation that people need to thank you, or you expect a return, then you're going to be miserable. Expectation, Mm -hmm. reality. If you do it with a desire to please others and have a good time and not care. I've done many things in my life for people and they didn't return the favor. And people said, oh, you feel stupid, right? I'm like, no, because my intent was to do it for them. I didn't expect anything from them. That's right. Unhappy people are always expecting people to match them in their behavior. So maybe they'll, put, they'll throw you a birthday party that's out of this world. Their birthday come around, nobody thinks of them and they feel miserable because nobody's doing for them what they've done for someone else. Mm. And uh, I say, if you do things with the expectation that it's going to be returned, you're going to be a miserable person. Mm -hmm. Because some people take, some people give, some people do both, give and take. But, you know, some people aren't able to give it. Some people don't have the empathy to think about how other people feel. We are all very different. This is a world of diversity. And we have to accept that not everybody thinks, acts, believes in the things we do. And we have to be uh, tolerant and accepting of others. Sometimes we have to tolerate them from, f- from afar because they're toxic. And we have to say, hey, I like you over there. But um, the point is, well, yeah, if you meet somebody who is really dis- uh, difficult, you don't have to hate on them. You just have to distance yourself from them. Self-preservation. Yeah. Rule number one, you know, hierarchy of needs from Maslow. Primary needs, first level of needs is a need for primary needs, food, shil- uh, food shelter, and everything. Secondary needs is the need for safety. Third need is the need for socialization, making friends, having friends. Fourth need, self-recognition, having people recognize you. And the fifth need, higher need, is self-actualization, becoming something that matches yourself. I will say that people who go through midlife crisis may have their primary need, and their safety need, and even socialization need met, but they don't feel actualized. They don't feel individualized, they don't feel happy in their skin. And what happens is that midlife crisis is something that happens to someone and Their life implodes and it affects everybody around them. It's like a bomb. You're a bystander and you get blasted by their midlife crisis. So if you're the wife of a man who's going through midlife crisis, he may tell you that he's not not in love with you anymore. He may tell you that he does not want to be with you anymore. But actually what he's really saying is that he wants to change ways as a person. And he thinks the easiest way to change his life is to change his environment, which is the last thing you should be changing. He should be working on himself, he should be doing some self-reflection, he should be doing some journaling, he should join a men's group, he should go, uh, if he, he believes in God, he should go talk to his pastor, to his rabbi, to his priest, to whoever is a spiritual leader in his community. He should be working on that. He should be working on the inner in, in, inner person, not the outer person. However, we live in a society where we tell women, if you lose weight and if you put makeup on, you'll find a husband. <laughs> That's society we live on. We have makeover shows where women go in and they are wearing a uh, uh, sweatpants and a, uh, no makeup and their is all messed up. And by the end of the show, they have a full ma- makeover and their is supposed to be better. They and don't they have a husband
0: walking out the door. Yeah, okay. Right.
1: But what they don't understand is that six months later, she'll be back in her sweatpants and she'll be, be fatter because her soul has not been nourished. And also, we don't need to change anything about ourselves for people to like us. You don't have to be skinny for someone to like you and you don't have to be younger for someone to like you and you don't have to be uh, blonde for someone to like you and you don't have to be a Gemini for someone to like you. It it doesn't matter. You are who you are and people have to like you the way you are and if they don't like you, that's the loss for them. There are 8 billion people on the planet Earth. Go find someone who likes you. But most and foremost, the first relationship you have is with yourself. So -hmm. if you don't like yourself, how do you expect others to like you? And that's then, w- right. and when you meet people, some people have m- are missed up. They have had hard lives. So hurt people, hurt people. Do consider when somebody comes to you to give you advice. If it's unsolicited advice, I would be like, why are you giving me this advice? But if it's unsolicited advice from someone who loves me and they say, I love you and I want you to have a good life, this is why I'm telling you this. But if somebody says to you, you look fat in that, uh, s- that sweater, out of nowhere, that's just being mean. And that's unsolicited yeah. and not helpful. So coming back to the midlife crisis, the man, the andropause, being married, having a wife that uh, you're married and you're in a relationship and uh, you're like uh, ready to uh, to call it quit. You're like, I'm unhappy. I've been unhappy for 10 years. And you know what? Mine is distorted. A lot of time, you're in a happy marriage for 20 years. You end up having six months of difficulties. And you're like, I've been miserable for 20 years. No, you have not. <laughs> That's so funny, You've been right? miserable for six months, not 20 years. Do the math. It's and so, been a year.
0: It's been five years. It's five been year. yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, uh, life is not just a happy... It's not a walk to Disneyland. Though Disneyland is getting to be very expensive. But it's not a trip to Disneyland to, to be married. And marriage is... When people say, oh, marriage is so amazing. The happiest day of my life. I'm like, guess what? The happiest day of your life is every day of your life. If you make it, you don't have to get... That's right. And so, um, <laughs> so I, I must have connected with somebody that I wanted to, uh, to interject. But anyhow, the point is, the happiest day of your life is what you make it. So two could be the happiest day of your life. And two more can be the happiest day of your life. But then... On the flip side, today could be also the most miserable day of your life, depending on how you look at your life. And so if a man came to me and said, I'm ready to call it quit, I'm tired of my wife, I'm miserable, I would say, your wife is not making you miserable. You are making yourself miserable. Mm -hmm. You're not going to... The number one rule is to not shift your power onto other people. You cannot affect a change in your life if you expect other people uh, to be in charge of it. So if you have a victim mentality and you go, the whole world hates me, guess what? You made yourself powerless and you cannot do anything about it. The first rule is to say, what am I responsible for in my life? And what can I affect? What is the positive and negative that I can affect? Yeah. You admit to yourself that, hey, you made some mistakes. You've learned some few things. But ultimately, you're responsible for your life. Mm-hmm. So you want to step away from being a victim and you want to become more of a survivor? So if a man comes to me and says, I'm unhappy in my life, I don't like my relationship, I'm going to ask them a question. I'm going to say, are you in danger? Is your wife trying to kill you? <laughs> be- no, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, is your wife trying to kill you? Yes. And if he says no, I'm going to say, okay, does she beat you up every night? No. Is she doing something that's unlawful? Does she run a drug smuggling business out of the basement? He goes, no. I'm saying there uh does she uh, is she engaged with someone else like does she have another relationship with someone else in the marriage you might go yes sometimes it happens goes yes and i'm gonna say okay what about your relationship do you not like what's making you unhappy in your relationship and he's a lot of times go well i am not happy sexually because people believe it or not the average american couple has sex once a month once Mm -hmm. a month a marriage where there's no sex it's a marriage that's dying
0: yeah. So how so, how does Yeah, I have other questions. I don't know how to interject because everything you're saying I want to hear, but I have other questions. Tell go me ahead, what to go do? Ahead. <laughs> so right there, what does a man do just who is going through something and his wife's not having sex with him? He cheated 10 years ago and he can't get back in the to bedroom to a with a her.
1: sex therapist. If you are married to someone who's denying you sex, your wife has a problem. And yeah. you have a problem because your wife has a problem yeah you cannot be in a problem. marriage and if you're if you're a woman and you deny your husband sex or use sex as a weapon to get your husband to do what you want think again because if he's not getting it from you he's gonna get it from someone else
0: he'll find someone yeah oh what of happens. course
1: you know sex is a basic need it's like eating mm-hmm. sleeping whatever you cannot deny a grown man access to the bedroom especially if you made a commitment to him so if you don't want to have sex with him then that's not a marriage it's i don't know what it is but sex is part <laughs> of a marriage it's and go see a and so I know that some women will say to their husband, I don't want you to watch porn. I'm like, there's no issues with porn as long as it doesn't become a crutch to functioning in society. But if a guy wants to watch porn video, I'm, some people might have values, like they're gonna say, oh, you know what? God said, I'm like, I'm not religious. I'm gonna go, okay, if, he's, if this is a man that spends 24 hours a day watching pornographic material, then he's got a problem. The same as having a glass of wine is not a problem, But having three bottles at night is a problem. So it's a matter of uh, how you take it and what you do with it. I will say, if you're a man and you have a wife and you're straight and you'd rather watch porn than sex with your wife, you've got a problem. Because you've got a willing participant in the bedroom and you have somebody who wants to love you. Sex is not just sex. Sex is also a way of being intimate, of connecting with someone else. And if you're like married to someone and you deny that woman sex and she denies you sex or whatever the, the issues is because you're not comfortable in your body because you don't like it. Women have children. I've heard that a lot. I've had a kid and I don't look the way I used to and I don't think my husband finds me attractive. I'm like, some guys will have sex with a piece of wood. Yeah. They, and, and, it's, and that sounds horrible when I'm saying, but they are like, they're non-discriminatory. So if a guy marries you and he loves you and he tells you he loves you and he's attracted to you, trust it's the truth. Yeah. Most men don't want to get married. And I know that sounds like a terrible thing to say. Like uh, Some dude has, uh, you go at 2 o'clock in a bar, you're female, you have a bunch of guys, you can—you have your pick of who you want to sleep with. They are not going to be too difficult. Yeah. Women are, difi- are more difficult to please. Some women know, but the average woman is going to be the break. She's going to be the break to the pedal. She's going to say, no, uh, not on the first date, not on the second date, not on the third date, not on the fourth date, when I feel ready for it. But if you're married with somebody, if you made a commitment to be married with someone, and you say, I want to be married with you, And you say, every time you do something that I don't like, I'm going to say no sex. You're turning your relationship into a um, transactional relationship. Mm -hmm. You're trying to have power over the relationship through sex. You're no better than the husband who goes to cheat. Because Mm -hmm. in some ways, you're putting condition to your love and condition to access to the intimacy. And a marriage without intimacy is a marriage that dies. There is the woman, there's the man, and there's the relationship. Next three. Honesty, of course, is important. I will tell you... I've seen people come to me, or I've talked to people, and they say, my husband's leaving me, or I'm leaving my husband, and I don't understand what's going on. And sometimes the husband is not being honest. The husband is not telling the whole truth. Uh, The last thing you should do when somebody tells you they want to leave you is become evil, or turn into the vision, turn into the projection they have of you. So for example, if your husband says says to you, I'm leaving you because I found someone else, or because I want to be alone, and then you, you you burn his clothes and uh, you destroy his car. And you do all this thing. Right. All you're doing is giving him reason not to be with you. Even though deep down you hurt. You have the right to feeling hurt. You have the right to, I'm feeling so, so much pain, right? I'm feeling so much pain. But that pain does not need to be extradited toward the man. You don't need to take it and throw it at him. You can process it. But it's, you have the right to your feelings. You have the right to, feel, to say, I'm feeling hurt. This is hurtful. I love you. I care about you. But you d- that doesn't give you the right to call his friends and tell his friends all the dirty laundry or to go post something on Facebook or to go tell, uh, you know, I'm going to give you an example. In April, no, February. I love
0: examples. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm going to give you an
1: example. In February this year, I uh, had a guy come to my house to do an estimate. He was a, contr- uh, a contractor. And um, he came to do an estimate. I ended up not hiring him. Very nice gentleman. um uh, About two months ago, I got an email in my inbox, from his email, with pictures of himself naked. Uh, His wife sent me pictures of her husband naked from his business account. And she did that to all these clients. Why? Because she wanted to hurt him, because she thought he had cheated on her. And as a matter of fact, I talked to the guy, and he never cheated on her. So I I called him up and said, hey, dude, I just want to let you know I got uh, pictures of yourself naked. And I deleted them, but I also wanted to let you know that uh, it came from your email account, and it's, it's been uh, set up as to make me believe <laughs> that it's coming from you. And this guy is part of the Chamber of Commerce, and he's, the, he's a businessman, and he, he's, a, he's a guy, he's a father of two children, and he's a good guy. And uh, I said, your wife probably has mental issues. That's my field of, s- of work. She probably needs to go see someone. He goes, well, we're about to get divorced. I said, well, go see a therapist. Work with them, because nobody in their right mind does that. So she yeah. might be going through something. Give her a chance t- to explain and for the sake of your children. The dude was like shocked. He goes, yeah. you're surprising me because I've had so many people not want to do business with me because they got pictures of me naked. Hmm. And I said, um, you haven't got a thing that I don't have. I'm good with that. It doesn't bother <laughs> me. I just don't. I just want to make sure that we're on the same place that you know that somebody out there has sent pictures of you naked to all your business contact from your business, from your email account, so which basically sad. means like, you can even go after her; she's your wife. You don't want to go after her, but you want to deal with it. It's called mm-hmm. revenge porn. So uh, that's very. Toxic. Where so
0: w- did he take the pictures? The first rule of thumb, which I tell all my children, is never, ever, ever take a picture of your body part naked, ever.
1: Well, that just I don't stops think took, I don't that. think I don't think he took the pictures. I think she took the pictures because from the angles oh. and the, how he was laying in bed, she took the pictures. But then I she see. hold on to those pictures and then she used those pictures against him. Mm. And so Ouch. whether or not he took the pictures or whether she took the pictures, I really don't even care. It's not, none of my business. You do what you want to do in your own. intimacy. It becomes my problem when it comes into my, uh, my email and I see a contractor that I, to come to the house to talk to. The next thing I know, he's naked. And, uh, <laughs> you know.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a lot. It's,
1: it's just weird. So anyhow, uh, the long story short is that you don't ever want to treat someone in a way that's morally and legally reprehensible. You want st- to mm-hmm. have a, uh, you know, a line of conduct and you want to stick to it. You want to be the best version of yourself. Because if they end up saying I'm leaving you because of you, they can't justify it. They cannot say I'm leaving you because of you. They're leaving you because of them. and They have to take ownership over that. Number two, don't give them a reason to play the victim and go, look at the way she's treating me. Yeah. You can feel sorry for yourself. You can have a pity party for yourself, but honestly, this is not very helpful. If your husband is leaving today, that means that So many months or years before that moment, there was not enough intimacy, not enough communication. There was issues going on that you ignored. Maybe he was depressed, you ignored it. Maybe you were not communicated and you ignored it. Maybe he was indulging with uh, drug and alcohol and you ignored it. Maybe he was sleeping around and you ignored it. You cannot ignore a problem. It will magnify. So if today you see your husband detaching himself from you, you need to re-engage and have communication. Have a date night once a week. Go out once a week with your husband, and just your husband. Not the phone, not the kids, not the dog. One date night. Um, make sure that you check in and check out. You know day you get up in the morning, you talk to each other. At night, you, you check out how was your day, what happened. You make that time for each other. If you have kids, take care of your kids. But then the kids are in bed, you got to talk to each other. Don't spend your time in front of the television or on the internet. Be present with each other. If you go to a mm-hmm. restaurant, put the phone away. Talk to each other. Have a contract. Uh, where you make commitment to each other, where you say, "I will have sex with you so many times a month. I will uh, be no, I will. That's an important thing because yeah. you know what? If you have kids, I'm going to be honest. If you have children, you have to schedule it. If you don't schedule it, it will never happen. Yeah, it will unless never you're happen. like uh, after church on Sunday and the children have grandmas. I mean, like, it's boring. But you gotta you gotta schedule it and you have to make yourself uh, available. Take a trip with Go to something fun for once a month. And it's not. It's about experiences. Be each other's best friend, and partner, and have fun with each other. If you don't create that for each other, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be living with somebody else. You're going to be uh, rooming with a roommate that you don't really like anymore. You're going to feel like it's a, a habit. You're going to be unhappy. And I will tell you, I will tell guys, go around and look at other uh, other men looking at your wife. You'll realize that other men sometimes look at your wife in a way that you're not able to look at your wife because they know what you've got. When And you don't take that into account. And same thing with women. Look at your husband as a, you may be looking at somebody else. Maybe your mind wanders because nobody's perfect. Look at your husband the way other people would look at your husband. Yeah. But be communicative. Right. Talk to each other. It's tough with communication. If there's no communication in marriage, there's no marriage. Yeah. So So
0: what do you, what do you think happens? Like, do you think, um, does anything happen? I know there's everyone, just so you know, JP has a dog that he's locked out of the room and you can hear the dog going, mm, cause it wants to be in there with him. Um, what do you think happens in childhood? Does anything from childhood show up in part of the midlife crisis? What's your of, thoughts of, on that?
1: Um, you know what? Whatever it's, uh, you know, we have different att- attachment style. That's another theorist. That's John Balby, uh, B-O-W-L-B-Y. John, English, psychiatrist. Discuss attachment uh, style. You've got a secure attachment. You grew up in a safe environment. Mom and dad are there. You need help. They're supportive. Secure attachment. You go through life not feeling the need. Then you've got. uh, Is that a good thing?
0: Secure attachment. Do you think people have failures from that? Okay, that's no. No,
1: secure attachment is good. That's what we want. Okay. Then you have fear of abandonment. If your mother or father left you when you were a young child, and you grew up thinking that the more important people in your life are going to walk out, walk away from you, then guess what? You enter a relationship and you think you're, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're thinking. As soon as I don't do something that he wants me to do or I do something she doesn't want me to do, she might just walk out on me. And uh, that happens. That's fear of abandonment. Then There's a fear of rejection, which is you're afraid of going toward people because you're afraid they're going to push you away. Because you're not good enough, because you're not worthy enough. And then there's a fourth kind, which is the fear of rejection and the fear of abandonment. Which is like the whammy, you know, you've got everything. Mm. Attachment styles... Are not stagnant. That means you could be born with a, you could be raised with a secure attachment and and develop a fear of abandonment through a bad relationship. You could be born with a, uh, and raised with a fear of abandonment and then work on yourself and become secure. It is not stagnant. It doesn't stay in that place forever. You gotta work at it as well. But let's say you're in a marriage and you are, the wife is afraid, uh, is very needy because she's afraid of being abandoned. Uh, Behavior is very needy all the time. That puts an incredible amount of pressure on the husband to always be responsive to the wife. And that in some way could push you away. You could feel like I don't want to be in a relationship where I feel like I have to reassure the other person 24-7. I don't want to be in a relationship where I have to become somebody's you know, um, moral booster, where I have to make you feel good about yourself all the time. Uh, fear of rejection is sometimes you miss out on opportunities in your life because you're afraid that people are going to say no. I will tell you, sometimes someone's gonna say no, you try, somebody says no. But not trying, you're, you're basically saying no to yourself. So the fear of rejection is you're afraid at some point people are gonna look at you and say I don't want this. Which is similar to abandonment, but it's different. The fear of abandonment is somebody walking out on you at any given time, any moment, which makes gives you a lot of anxiety. It's very anxiety producing. You think that your husband might go to work and they never come home because he found someone better. It also makes you very insecure, it can make you jealous, can make, um, you can end up having, uh, uh, you know, distortion about yourself, maybe body dysmorphia and you don't like your body, maybe uh, delusions about how you come across, what people think of you. So all that comes into play. Yeah. So fear of rejection is poor self-image, poor self-concept, you don't know who you are, and you go through life and uh, you meet people and uh, you... You think the worst of yourself, so you think people are going to think the worst of you, so therefore you don't engage with them because you don't want to be rejected. So coming back to midlife crisis. Midlife crisis will accentuate any of those attachment problems. Your father okay. just died. <coughs> hey, hey. Your father just <laughs> That's died. A dog. There are two dogs in this room. That's why I'm in this room because <laughs> they would bark like mad uh, madmen otherwise. So That's funny. the So um, the, uh, what you might call it, your father just died. Your father was divorced your mother when you were 15 or 14. You're a man, you've got two kids, you're married, and you had a uh, okay relationship. You don't even have to have a good relationship. You could have had a horrible relationship with your father. But you know what, 50% of your DNA comes from your mom, 50% of the DNA comes from your dad. You're a byproduct of your parents. You're a byproduct of their DNA, and you're also a product of the environment you raised in. All right? Mm-hmm. So you're a 45-year-old man, you just went to you bury your dad, with whom you had a difficult relationship. And now you're like, I don't want to be like my father. I don't want to be like my father. <coughs> Argos, stop it. Sorry about that. That's okay, <laughs> so, um, that's funny. I don't want uh, to be like my dad. I want to be better than my dad. However, I feel like I'm being a fraud. I don't like my life. Or I want to be just like my, my dad was an incredible man. I want to be just like him. And now he's dead. What, this, what did his life matter? Maybe he died from a cancer. Maybe it was sudden. I was not expecting it. What if that happens to me? What if I die tomorrow? What will my life mean? And then you add attachment problems like uh, fear of abandonment, where you're, you've been in your life all of, always afraid that people are going to walk out on you. And then suddenly your father dies and he feels like he's walking out on you. Or a fear of rejection, where you feel like you're settled and now you, uh, you were afraid of being rejected, so you settled for somebody else, or you felt like you, you didn't give yourself the chance to be the person you wanted to be. There's so many different you know pictures. There's not one size fits all. Everybody's different. Yeah.
0: I always say everyone's a little bit n- nuts, right? Oh, we all have nuts. like
1: uh, I don't even know, <laughs> I don't even like the term. I, I know how we talk about neurotypical and uh, secure and well. We all have problems. So mm-hmm. We all have issues. Some people have subscriptions, but we all have issues. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, None of so us are perfect Nobody is and uh, So knowing that You're a 45 year old man And you, one day you wake up and you look at your wife And you're like I don't like this woman anymore I don't want to be with her The first question you should ask yourself is What's going on inside of me that I feel this way? What's happening in my head that I feel this way? You could, genu- you could very well Not be in love with your wife You could very well not be in love with your wife today But that means that you were probably never in love with her At any given time in your life And you faked it That's a different story entirely yeah, oh. some people get married, and they marry they, the they person, and they, they are not in love, and they, uh, their marriage is a sham, and they are not really but in love. But they walk
0: – you. so you're telling me people knowingly walk down the aisle knowing they're not in love with their spouse?
1: Yeah. That happens. What
0: if they think they're in love, and that's why they no, get married? They
1: don't, no, they may pretend they're in love. They may do it for societal pressure. They get to a certain age. They want to get settled. They want to have kids. They want to be married. Their religion maybe forces them to feel that okay. way. They may not be authentic to themselves. I tell you what, if you're a gay man and you marry a woman – I don't care how nice your wife is, you're a gay man. So you Wait, love say her. that again? If, if you're a gay man oh, you Oh, if you, men, you start
0: out gay, yeah. You're not going to If you start gay call. and you
1: marry a woman, that happens. You marry mm-hmm. a woman and then you're, you're gay. You don't become gay overnight. It's uh, part of who you are, that's your identity, but some people don't want to be in touch with that. Some people say, I'm going to overcome that.
0: Well, so what <laughs> happens with the guys who say, I tell their wives, I've never loved you. I've never loved I would you.
1: say, uh, you know, I would challenge that. I would challenge that. I would say, okay, can you give me an example? Can you explain to me why you married me in the first place? Yeah, well, then I you
0: get all these like details no, of letters fine.
1: that they've that's, written. That's fine, that's fine. I would say, so that means that every, if you're telling me the truth now, that means every other time you talk to me, you were lying to me. Are you a liar? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would also say, you never loved me. It's fine if you don't love me anymore today, but can you say that in given time during our life, you never loved me? You say, oh no, I loved you as a person. That was never in love with you.
0: Yeah, what do you do with that? I love I was in love with be, you and now I'm not.
1: That could be the truth. That could be the fact some people are like that. Some people are some people have never experienced love or what we call love, you know, the, the big uh, L. They meet somebody and they love them enough and they settle. And that's not the partner's fault that they're selling, it's their fault they're selling. They're entering a contract knowing full well they're not going to be able to honor all the term of the contract. It's misrepresentation. It's mm-hmm. you're saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be your husband. But um, I, we're going to make it work. We're going to have kids. We're going to have this. That's misrepresentation. It's like uh, me selling you a car and telling you it drives and it doesn't drive. It looks like a car. So, but Pete, it's not you're telling
0: me people do that?
1: Yeah. A lot of that. people? I don't know about a lot of people, but I know some people do it. The world is filled with, uh, you said, uh, a little bit is nuts. Everybody is a little bit nuts. I think some yeah. people are a little bit. So,
0: th- how does a wife know if her husband says to her, yeah, listen, I, you forced me to marry you. I never, I never wanted to marry you. I never really loved you. And she's like, he's nuts. He did want to marry me. It was his idea. He asked me. I've got all these cards and proof that he, he and so It doesn't matter. I, you know, at that
1: point, I would not even enter the debate. I would not even start that debate with that person. I would say, okay, you know what? You don't want to be married right now. You don't love me right now. You need I'll to lie. figure out. No, you need to figure out who you are. Figure mm. yourself out, sort yourself out. You can't, You can, when uh, so, if a child, if you have a kid in a grocery store and a child is having a m- full meltdown for a bag of candy, you don't engage, you wait them to come down and then you have a conversation with them. I, having conversation so, with them, somebody who is in a crisis mode, midlife yes. crisis is in the name, right? Yes. Who is not crisis. aware, they, they're in a crisis mode. And you go and try to have a rational conversation with them in that moment, Everything that's going to come out of their mouth is going to be bullshit. Right. They're in a crisis mode. They don't even know really truly what they feel. They don't really know who they are. They don't really know where they want to go. They don't really know where they come from. Everything is like when you're depressed, the whole world becomes gray. Is the world becoming gray? No. I'm nearsighted. If I don't put my glasses on, everything is blurry. When I put my glasses on, the world is clear again. Is it the world that changes or is it me with my perspective that changes? True. The point is a man goes to his wife and says, I never loved you. I am an happy. And well, I have that.
0: I have that. Okay, that
1: happens all the time. I would say to that woman, take a step back because that's his problem. He's experiencing it at his level. You have a different experience from him, you had different memories from him. You don't get into a debate and tell him everything you've done right and all the things you had together with him that made you happy. What you want to say is, hey, you know what? You need to go see a therapist. A good one. Don't go we'll see somebody who is pro-divorce. Go we'll see somebody who is pro-finding out why you're depressed. Midlife crisis is, somewhat, is a form of depression. It's existentialism. It's a, you can have some anxiety and some depression. So you go see a therapist and you say, I am not happy in my life. I'm not happy in my skin. I'm not happy in my marriage. I want to change things and I don't know where to start. Help me. The therapist will say, okay, let's talk about what's going on in your life. Let's talk about now. Let's not go back to when you were conceived because some people want to go all the way back to the childhood (laughs) and everything. That doesn't matter in the moment. It's like, what what are your biggest priorities right now? What do you want for yourself right now?
0: How do you know if people are lying to you?
1: What would you go see a therapist? Uh, Do you mean in a marriage or with a therapist? No,
0: I, I have some husbands who go into therapy with their wife and flat out lie to the therapist or T- came home and said, Well, I didn't tell the therapist this part of it. And the wife is like, Why didn't, like, what? Like, you know can what? you tell that?
1: There's been studies on lying. People lie all the time. Everybody lies. And on a first date, you lie 300 times more than you would on a regular time because people want to pretend something they're not. Mm. I would say, How can you tell if somebody is lying?
0: No, you as a therapist, how do you tell? No, but that? I'm
1: asking myself, I'm asking myself, well, yes. I feel it in my gut when somebody is full of shit. Okay. Um, like, if I'm dealing with someone who is like, has shifty eyes and is not looking forward and uh, has the telltale sign, uh, bad poker player, and you know that they tell you one thing but they do the opposite, you know they're not being authentic. Sometimes people are aware. Yeah, always. Okay. But, uh, and I don't do it quite in an abrupt way because my point is to keep ma- people mm-hmm. together. Yeah. It's to make sure that people are happy together. My point is to make sure that uh, there is a, um, a long run that people are gonna be married you don't want to destroy the character of somebody in front of their spouse and then expect them mm-hmm. to stay married. It doesn't mm-hmm. work that way. You want to build yeah. them up. But you want to mm-hmm. say, hey, you know what? You said that, blah, 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 blah. How does that? Uh, uh, you want to be Socratic about it. I'm Socratic about it. Ask questions. And they got to come to their own understanding. Sometimes I know they're lying, but I don't tell them they're lying. But I ask them a question. I make them think what they're saying. Maybe they're not even aware they're lying. So they need to figure that out. But the, the, the basic question is, A woman and a man enter uh, uh, an office with a therapist. And the guy has already said he wants to get a divorce. The therapist should be asking the two people, are you both willing to give it what it takes to work on this marriage and work on this therapy? Can you commit to three months? Can you commit to six months? Are you willing? If the husband says yes, then he has to commit to the word he's given.
0: What if he says no because he's having an affair and he hasn't told his wife yet?
1: Then get out of my office. You're not the right client for me because I'm not going (laughs) to help you lie to your wife. uh and like but how would you uh, know
0: like how do you you ask
1: but you you know what but hold on let's simplify it
0: yes please somebody walks (laughs) stop argos
1: (laughs) sorry about that he
0: wants to talk
1: no well he talks too much already as it is so anyhow the uh someone walks in my office and says um my wife is responsible for the marriage is breaking down. My wife is responsible. I'm going to say there's not one party that's free of guilt and the other one that's uh, the victim. Everybody, The marriage is between the two of you. Let's work at that. You do an intake. Generally, as a therapist, you will do an intake with a couple, and then you'll meet with one person, and then you meet with the other, and you get both sides, and then you bring them together. Mm. There are too many therapists out there who um, start coaching their clients into getting a divorce.
0: That's right. That is,
1: and that is not okay. If a husband comes in with with his wife or the wife comes in with the husband, unless there's a major problem in the relationship where there's abuse or unlawful activities, you don't start coaching. You don't side with one of the partners against the other. That's not the job of a therapist. The job of a therapist is to say, okay, you know what? Let's give it a chance. Let's work on our communication. What are the major issues that you're facing right now in your life and what are you willing to do about it? Not say your wife is a horrible person. You should leave her now. That's not the job of a therapist. The job of a therapist is to say, you're stating you're unhappy. She cannot be happy when you're unhappy. She wants to stay married and you don't know if you want to stay married. Let's figure out where your relationship went wrong. Let's fix this. Let's improve this. Honestly, 80% of the time it works, 20% it doesn't. Why? Because people are not honest with themselves and they're not honest with their spouse. If a man comes into an office, knows he's having an affair with someone, not being open about it, not being honest about it, doesn't come clean about it, you have absolutely zero chance to keep that relationship together because it's like playing cards with somebody who's cheating. You yeah. don't have a fair shake, a fair chance. So now, every case is different. But I can tell when somebody's being dishonest, some people will also uh, act with a confirmation bias. They will seek someone that will s- support their point of view so they can do what they want. They say, I want to get a divorce, I'm going to find a therapist who's going to support my decision to have a mm-hmm. divorce, and when I do, then it will make me right, and then I will be on the right pace. You go around and you talk to people about your experience, and you seek out the people that will agree with you, and the people that disagree with you, you'll cut them off. Confirmation bias. As a therapist, if I see a problem, I'm going to say, I see that as a problem. What we? I have a gentleman I'm working with right now, and he was ready to to, to walk away from his wife because his wife, there was, a, without giving too much detail, there was issue with the wife, with the mother-in-law and all that. And I said to him, are you wanting to do what you need to do to keep this marriage going, or are you ready to go it quick? And he said, I, I don't know. I don't know that I trust my wife anymore. And I said, well, the same way you do with any situation when there's no trust, you need to establish a contract. And you need to discuss the things you want from each other and you have to stick to it. And there there has to be consequences for violating the contract. So I'm, I'm glad to say that this couple is going to stay together. And uh, because I think if you go seek out a therapist's help, when you're thinking about divorce, it's because somehow you want to make sure you don't, you're not making a mistake. Mm-hmm. If you go to see a therapist to just talk crap about your spouse and to validate the fact that you should be having a divorce, save yourself money. You don't go see a therapist. You go see a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's you're right. going to need it because law- getting married is uh, expensive. Getting divorced will rob you of everything you've ever worked for. Lawyers mm-hmm. love. Lawyers have tons of podcasts and uh, of, uh, there's tons of podcasts and tops of books out there put out by lawyers telling you how to get a divorce. Why? Because they benefit.
0: Yeah.
1: Lawyers make money when they separate people. Yeah. As a therapist, my job is to get fired. The day you don't need me anymore, you should say, I don't need you anymore. Yeah. But my right. job is to keep you together, yeah. right? You, you, yeah. If you go see a doctor in January because you have a cold, hopefully in July you're still not seeing the same doctor yeah. for the same cold. Otherwise, you, you have a bigger problem than a cold, right? Yeah. Therapy is the same. If you go see, seek out a therapist for psychoanalysis, which is a certain type of therapy, if you're going for marriage and family therapy, or if you want to have just maintenance therapy, maybe you see a therapist once a week for a year, and then you go once a month. And then one day you say goodbye to that therapist, and it's okay. Yeah. But the idea is you go there to solve an issue or to work on an issue, and then maybe you find more issues. And to say, you know what? My life is better right now. I'm just going to stop dealing with you and go back to my life. The idea is to improve your existence. Yeah. yeah. It's to make no. yourself. So if you're unhappy in your life, okay, let me picture this. You are married, you have a house, you have a car, you have a job. You're unhappy. You think that living in a small apartment in some city part of town because you cannot afford to be in a house anymore still being in the same stupid job, having to pay any money and child support is going to make your life better?
0: Right. Hello. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks questions. about that, though. Because no, I no. was chasing this 22-year-old and she was going to make me 22 again.
1: Yeah, but, uh, you know, uh, the, that's the wrong thing is to chase. You shouldn't be having to chase somebody who wants to be with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: People that want to be with you, you don't have to chase them.
0: That's right. JP you're a very interesting person.
1: I agree. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, so how do people find you if they're interested in um I'm on talking Alma. I'm going
1: to give you my I'm going to give you my link uh, my okay. I'm on Better. So I, then I'll put it
0: I'll put it below on YouTube or I'll put mm-hmm. it in the description um, if you're listening to this on Spotify or right. wherever else. So Anchor.
1: the uh, the idea here is that if you need to work with me and you have insurance, you go on my webpage through Alma and you look up And then you reach out and you say, I would like to have a communication. If you're in the the United States, if you're in Texas or in California, if you're in New York, I'm sorry, I cannot help you. Um, On BetterHelp, same thing. And uh, if you're from outside the U.S., I can help you because then I I would be working from outside the jurisdiction. I wouldn't be providing services the same way. So if you're in uh, the U.K. or if you're in Switzerland or whatever, I can help you. Yeah, that's cool. I do all my work online. So so let me put... Yeah, yeah, let's say you're in New York, but your, ad- your residence address is in Texas or in California. Yeah. Then I can help you because your residence address is in Texas, California. I'm not going to okay. go knock on your door and verify that you're really living in the state you say you're living in. But ah, if, you're yeah. resident, if you're a resident of Texas and you happen to be in New York, I can help you because you're resident of Texas. Okay. But <laughs> if you are living in, te- in New York and the only address you have is New York, I cannot help you. Yes.
0: That's funny. Um, okay, that makes sense. Um so, yeah, so, yeah, so I'll put the links for everybody below um, wherever they're listening to this. JP, any last words that you want to give to my wives or husbands that are listening right now? The goal is that they share this with their spouse,
1: mm-hmm. maybe. But Okay, there's different types of marriages out there. Uh, there's dif- different types of values, and people have different types of problems. If you married somebody because you said at the time you loved them and you meant it, I'm not going to talk about people who don't mean what they say, And you wake up one day and you feel like you're not happy in your life. Chances are, it has nothing to do with your spouse. It has to do with you, and you have to figure out within inside yourself what's making you unhappy. Because you could get rid of everything you own and get rid of all the relationships you have. That unhappiness is within you.
0: Yeah, yeah. Amen. That's how this rolls. Well, I appreciate you, JP. I can't wait until one day I meet you in person. But I do know so many of my people love you. You're, you're in California,
1: so. right? You're in California?
0: I'm in, outside of Los Angeles, yeah.
1: So one day I'll go to Los Angeles and I'll come say hi. I used to live in the Bay Area for the longest time, but I'm to Texas.
0: California is very expensive and there's a lot of crazy people here. You do really well.
1: <laughs> well, I don't think but, uh, Texas is any less crazy, but uh, it's a little bit more affordable.
0: Yes, I'm sure. Yes, California is very expensive. Anyway, JP, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. You're, you're brilliant and you have a lot to say and your thoughts are coming from the male side. So I appreciate that.
1: And I'm, t- I'm totally inappropriate. My language is not always the best, but you know, nobody's perfect. <laughs>
0: Dude, I share that with you. This is how I talk. I'm just trying to be normal on this <laughs>
1: Well, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, oh, you've got a, like earlier I was like, uh, a guy will sleep with anybody. You've got a pulse. You're female. Oh, you're good. So <laughs> if you're married to a guy and the guy says he loves you and he's attracted to you, don't challenge him. <laughs> no. Why are you to challenge no. him? Why? Yeah.
0: No, I agree completely. It, it was Sex super is nice very talking. important. It's you been great, JP.
1: It's been great for me as well. You're very lovely. I wish you a great day. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Mwah. Okay. Wasn't that amazing? JP is absolutely lovely. He talks a lot and he has a lot to say. The man is super smart. And if you need his help or if your husband is struggling or your wife is struggling and you're looking for a therapist, check him out. I'm going to list all of his information below. Whatever you're listening on, just please check the notes because that's where you'll find his info. But for now, please come to the wife expert.com and just listen on how to make your marriage better. Your life will be happier when you feel good and you're making yourself into the greatest person and then you have this amazing person that you've already invested all this time with. Let's keep you together. Let's keep your family together so that for generations, your family will tree will just grow and grow and grow. We all want that. So until next time, I hope you subscribe and I will see you next time.